Hey friends, welcome to Naked in Truth, the podcast that's designed to open up your mind, to help you break down walls and barriers in your life that you might not even know exist yet. But don't worry, every wall that we break down together on this podcast allows you the opportunity to level up and create your impact. With that being said, I think it's time for us to get honest, vulnerable, and naked in truth. Well, hello, 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 and welcome back to the Naked in Truth podcast. It is me, Sari D, and I am back this week with a really special guest. Guys, we have Kel Cal, who is the founder of How I Cured My Resting Bitch Face. She is also the host of the D- Dear Dumb Bitch podcast. And guys, if this isn't enough fire getting started, you know what kind of podcast this is going to be. So Kel, welcome on the podcast. It's so great to have you. Hello. I am so excited to be here with you, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So we want to get to know a little bit about you. I know that we brought you on today to talk about a specific topic, but I'd like to know where do you reside right now? It looks like it's sunny out your window. I can see her on Zoom right now and just what you like to do on the day to day. Okay, awesome. Yeah, it is a rare sunny day in Seattle. So I currently live in Seattle. I moved here four years ago after making the decision to leave an emotionally abusive marriage. So I was born and raised in Florida. And actually, I, it's kind of ironic, the timing, I moved to Seattle, like exactly four years ago. So no way, four years ago, I took what was supposed to be a two week vacation, I was visiting Seattle from Florida. And during that time, I decided to commit to the decision I knew in my heart and soul that I needed to make. And that was to leave an incredibly toxic and an emotionally abusive marriage. So after the two week vacation, I flew back to Florida, uh, filed for divorce. And two days later, I was on a flight back to Washington. I'm like, all right, I live here now. Let me restart my life unbelievable okay guys so the the crazy part about cal is that she has been on this self-love journey these last four years and that's how she ended up developing how i cured my resting bitch face and what that is is that she's developing programs to help women recover from toxic relationships so just like she was speaking of that she was in a toxic relationship prior she has now been able to go through her journey, get the tools that she needs and go through all that healing to be able to help others. Because at the end of the day, guys, this is something that has been a taboo topic for a very long time. It's been behind closed doors. And I think that, you know, I was talking to Kel about how as we're opening up and talking more about mental health, it's really allowing the avenue of toxic relationships, abuse to be getting the attention that it deserves because, you know, unfortunately I do know many victims of abuse and there absolutely nobody deserves to go through that. And the unfortunate part is that people don't understand why a person's mind works that way and why they would ever stay there. And, you know, that's why I was so excited to have Kel on here is because I think that she's going to give us such good insight because the topic that we're actually talking about today is why we need to stop looking for love in the wrong places. So Kel, I want you to take off this podcast. If you 
you can go into a little bit deeper of what that relationship was like for you. You know, you had kind of mentioned that there was a couple of prior relationships that weren't great either. So maybe you had noticed that you were getting into a pattern of relationships that weren't serving you. And we want to know about it. Yeah. So it wasn't until well after the fact that I realized there was a common denominator in these patterns in my life. And that common denominator was me, right? Like what, what a scam. But I recognized that if I didn't make some changes, then I was going to keep bringing that same version of myself into new life circumstances. So I was a hot mess when I left Florida and moved to Washington. Like you, I literally went broke overnight because my ex withdrew every penny from our account. So I was broke. I was technically homeless and living with my sister and literally restarted my life in every possible way. But I was so committed and determined to make that the best thing that ever happened to me somehow and not have it be the worst thing. So I committed to my healing journey. And I knew that I needed to not only recover from the trauma that I experienced from the relationship, but also update and recover from the outdated beliefs that led me to that relationship in the first place. So I was in therapy, I was seeing a therapist multiple times a week, I was in a domestic violence support group, and really just committed to recovering from the situation. Unbelievable. Well, you know what? Cheers to you. We're so happy that you are where you are today and being able to help so many other people. So when it comes to those beliefs, like I think that that's a good place to start this topic is because those beliefs are going to correlate to a lot of people looking for love in Mm. the wrong places. So what were some of those beliefs that you ended up learning about yourself that you were holding on to as a false identity? Yeah, I would say the main one is I had a total every well, honestly, everything I ever knew about like love and relationships was a lie. I thought relationships were a place to go to get love. I didn't understand that relationships were a place to give love. So I was always looking for love and acceptance and validation from relationships. And I am a recovering people pleaser. I have codependency tendencies. Mm -hmm. So I was always going and entering relationships from a place of needing to be accepted and needing to be desired and needing that validation rather than giving myself the validation and acceptance and love that I was looking for in all the wrong places. Wow. Good for you. Like, honestly, guys, this it's not easy being real and raw with yourself and and recognizing these things, but it's almost so liberating to be like, there wasn't actually anything wrong with me that entire time. And this is why those decisions were being made. Because I think that that's where, you know, we, we end up feeling so lost is that we think that it was something that was actually wrong with us. Right. And it's not that there was anything wrong with you. It's, it's simply our perspective of, of how we're viewing ourselves, how we're viewing those relationships. Like you had said, you're like, relationships are supposed to be there to give not to get. And I think that that's a huge factor that so many people miss. So, so what are some things that you've learned in your process when you were looking for love in maybe the wrong places? Well, I, I'm totally missed the life memo that you're supposed to have a relationship with yourself. And not only are you supposed to have a relationship with yourself, but that the relationship with yourself is the most important relationship that you'll ever have. I mean, honestly, like you will never, ever 
have a more significant relationship. So I feel like I never, ever truly knew myself. And I was always trying to be what I thought other people wanted me to be. And that's how I was showing up. And I was always confused in life when I felt like, oh, I don't really have like true, genuine, like relationships and connections with people. And that's because I didn't have that true, genuine connection with myself. I was didn't always even know who you were, right? I had no idea. And I was always trying to be who I thought people wanted me to be. I thought that was the way to, you know, make friends and, you know, make romantic partners happy. And I thought it was my job to make other people happy. I didn't realize the only person I need to make happy is myself. Like that's the only person I can actually control. And if I'm not showing up as my authentic self, then other people can't actually get to know me and like me for who I really am. So I would say just the significance of the relationship with yourself and how important self-discovery and self-awareness is, was really just a huge part of my personal journey. And it's so, so true that you, you, until you know who you are, you aren't able to develop those authentic relationships. And it's Mm -hmm. funny because I was literally just talking about that on one of my last podcast episodes of how I feel that now is that I, I have the most genuine relationships now than I ever have before in the past. And they're plentiful simply because my values match my actions now right? Like I know who I am and that's, and that's how I show that I know who I am is by ensuring that my actions do match my values. And so I want to know, like, how early were you really looking for love in the wrong places? Cause myself, I started looking for male attention much, much too young. And it was like, it got me into so many problems. And I, you know, I was the first to do everything out of, out of the, the, the ages that I was growing through. And, and at the time it was really hard and it made me go through a lot of really difficult things. But now I feel like I'm very self-discovered. And if I wouldn't have gone through those things super young, I wouldn't be where I am now. So where did you feel like you really started falling in love in the wrong places? Yeah, you know, not even from a romantic standpoint, but looking at, you know, growing up, I was always uh, praised and recognized for achieving and getting good grades and accomplishments. So I feel like that's kind of where the conditioning started for, yeah, for like getting that external validation, because when I got good grades, that's when I was kind of seen and acknowledged. So that was kind of a, the early foundation of looking for external validation And then as far as, you know, even early friendships, I always was trying to be like who I thought I needed to be to fit in, not recognizing that I need to be myself. And that's the only way I'm truly going to fit in with any kind of peer group. And then, of course, you know, as you get older and become a teenager, it's like, you know, you have your crushes and your early boyfriends. And even then, I was always trying to be like who I thought they wanted me to be and, and, and looking to receive that like love and acceptance from those other relationships. And it never even like crossed my mind that I should be giving myself that love and acceptance. Like, I I feel like they should have taught a class on this or something, because it was it was not intuitive for me at all. It wasn't literally until I began this journey of self-love and self-discovery after my most toxic relationship of all, which was my marriage, when I realized like, 
you're supposed to give yourself love. Like you're supposed to care for yourself. Like it's not other people's job to care for you. You don't need to care for other people. You have to care for yourself. And when you care for yourself and you give yourself that love and acceptance, that's how you attract the people that are supposed to be in your life. Because if you're looking for all of that from somebody else, then there's always going to be a disconnect with intentions from both parties. It's so true. And like, I'm very curious. So how did you get the name for how I cured my resting bitch face? Did you feel like you were stuck in a resting bitch face during those relationships? Actually, there's, there's so much underlying, there's an underlying story for that. And it's actually the name is uh, courtesy of my ex. So Uh he, he would ask me on like most mornings, actually. So this would how would be how I would start my day on like a typical day. He would ask me, what's wrong with your face? Why do you look like such a bitch? And at the time, I still, I thought I was the problem. So I'm like, I don't know. Sorry, it's just my face. I'll try to change it. And it wasn't until after the fact that I realized, well, if I even look like a bitch, it's probably because I was so miserable because I was living in such toxic circumstances. But that was kind of the inspiration for my brand, how I cured my resting bitch face. Beautiful. And so then do you just carry on that education into your Dear Dumb Bitch podcast or what does that look like for you? So so Dear Dumb Bitch is my podcast. It's kind of like Dear Diary, but Dear Dumb Bitch, because we all have an inner dumb bitch. Of course. Teaching us life lessons when we actually pay attention. I spent most of my life trying to avoid the signs and avoid the lessons and ultimately they become billboards that you can't ignore and they're actually teaching us and guiding us. So it's important to pay attention. So Dear Dumb Bitch does have um, some episodes on toxic relationships, but it's more so about uh, my perspective from just everyday life lessons and lessons learned from my past. No, that's really good. And so I want to know, what do you have for advice for people who are listening to this podcast, but maybe they're not recognizing that they're actually looking for love in the wrong places. What do you think are a few key indicators that either you're in the wrong relationship or, and, or I guess you're looking for love in the wrong ways in that relationship? I would say one, one major, I don't know if I want to call it a red flag, but one major item to consider would be if you're in a relationship and you want the other person to change, that's a sign that you need to make a change because you can't change other people. You can only change yourself. And if you are in a relationship and if you are not able to express yourself, you feel like your needs aren't being met, then that's another sign that you need to really just evaluate what your circumstances are, because you should be able to express and voice your concerns. But also, if you feel like your needs aren't being met, then why are you expecting your needs to be met from somebody else? And how could you begin to meet your own needs? So what have you noticed that some of your clients have led into relationships wanting to change? Like, you know, like, 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 like those experts, because we all think that there's like a couple of small things that we can get away with and it's cool and it'll change in time. You know what I mean? But like, for the most part, this person's a pretty good package. And so what are you noticing are those little things that people slide under the table that end up becoming big things or AKA red flags down the line? Yeah. So the red flags we overlook 
in the beginning are the ones that ends up firming us in the end. Mm -hmm. And I would say the biggest things that my clients communicate to me are really just how they are in, well, we're in relationships because the majority of the women I work with have left the toxic relationships, but you know, just that feeling of, you know, walking on eggshells to avoid upsetting the other person and changing their behaviors and actions and what they see, uh, what they say to avoid upsetting the other person. Um, those are some of the, the biggest things. And really just, you know, it's uh, toxic relationships are challenging because they're, they're not all bad. Like it's not always bad 100% of the time. I, it's almost like this addictive cycle because I felt my highest highs and lowest lows from being with my ex because they build you up and then they will burn you down. So it can be really challenging to, to understand the confusion and the gaslighting and the manipulation that's involved yeah. because Narcissism for it, sure. it really just, uh, it's, you have such a confusion around the circumstances. Yeah. So I got two good questions here. So, so one is what do you think would be the level? Cause, cause like you said, not all toxic relationships are necessarily bad. There might be certain seasons or what do you feel like level of toxicity really looks like for relationships then what's like the worst of the worst to like, you know, things might get better. Cause like you said, it's not like they're necessarily all bad. Well, I would say, I mean, toxic relationships, I would say are all bad, but I would say they aren't bad 100% of the time in the sense that it's not going to be just like this constant cycle of abuse. The cycle of abuse is you have, you know, the love bombing phase where they make you feel really good. And then you have, you know, criticism and control. And if you, if you express your emotions and you know, the, the other person either uses them against you or tells you you're making things up or you're overreacting. That's, that's toxic. You should be able to express how you feel in a relationship and have it be received. Your, your partner may not agree with you, but Mm -hmm. they shouldn't make you feel like you're overreacting or make you feel like it's always your fault. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, toxic relationships, can manifest in, in different ways. It can be obviously anywhere from, you know, physical violence, which that's incredibly toxic, but emotional abuse is mm-hmm. domestic violence as well. I was actually in a domestic violence support group when I first moved to Washington and my, my family was an amazing resource for me and they, they found the support group and amazing. I went and I'm like, I, I actually, I even told the women there, I'm like, you know, guys, I, I feel empathy for your situation, but I really don't think I belong here. I was never like physically harmed. And they uh, informed me that no, you know, emotional abuse is still considered domestic violence. So whether it's, you know, just being controlled or financial control or manipulation or um, physical violence, those are all signs, but sometimes it's even more subtle, just, you know, the walking on eggshells feeling, I remember all too well, where you feel like you're not really sure how the other person is going to react. And you really are just on, on guard because you don't want to upset them and you want to cater to their every need. And, you almost lose, well, you don't almost, you do, you lose your sense of identity because it's so, 
wrapped and consumed with this other person, even to the extent of your emotions. I had no personal boundaries. So my emotions were tied to my, my ex's emotions and I had Which, no differentiation and I prioritized his feelings and emotions over mine because I didn't want him to be upset because I knew how that would cycle back to me. Unbelievable. Well, you know what? That's the thing is that I think that I think that a lot of people don't realize what is okay and what is not okay. Right. And I think it goes both ways because, you know, I think that you need to be heard, but as somebody who's very expressive, I know that I can do a lot better with the way that I say things sometimes as well. Right. So like, that's where I think that we need to take responsibility as partners on both sides of, of us. And, and this is why it's so important to know yourself of, am I communicating reasonably or am I lashing out at the person taking out my emotions? Because there's a huge difference between the two and somebody who's trying to manipulate you is going to turn everything into you overreacting. Mm -hmm. So if everything that you do is an overreaction and all of your emotions are not valid and, and it's always something with you, you know what I mean? That those are, those are the things that myself personally would, would be key indicators. Whereas I know myself I'm, I, I can be harsh sometimes and I need to watch the way that I say things sometimes because it, it is almost abusive when, because I've had a podcast episode about this prior of, of taking shit from work. Let's, let's say you're a tornado from work and you come and lash out on your partner and you know, they didn't deserve any of that whatsoever, but you chose to take that from work. And so I want to make this clear just to the listeners of that. There are different situations like that. And it's, it's really important to assess, but this is where things get really sticky is that when somebody's manipulating you, they're painting this false reality for you. They're, they're pulling away your, like Kel had said, sense of identity, and it doesn't allow you to distinguish the two. So like Kel sit standing in the kitchen every day was like, Oh fuck, it's my face. Yeah. I, okay. Okay. I just need to change my face because she was assuming that she was lashing out that way because he was ensuring that she felt that way, even though she, she wasn't like that in, in, in her reactions. And she was literally just trying to live her day to day. So I think that that's really interesting too, because I think that things get manipulated sometimes and it can go on both sides of the fence where, you know, where it can be pulled. So, okay. So when it comes to, um, when it comes to finding a partner that is, I guess, or maybe I'm going to reword this question. So when we're thinking about, about, uh, you leaving your partner, did you know at that time that it wasn't you? Did you know that it was your partner manipulating you? Cause you had said like, I think it's my face. I guess it is my face that I need to change. So did you know at that time that you were actually great as you were? I, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea what was going on. My mind was totally fucked. I did not know if I was making the best decision by leaving, if I was making the worst decision by leaving, all I knew is I felt like I was drowning every single day of my life. And okay. I, I couldn't just keeping, I just couldn't keep up with that. It wasn't until I was actually removed from the circumstances that I began to realize how toxic it really was. You almost need that breath of fresh air to have the contrast to know how bad things really were. So yeah. I didn't, I didn't really understand the circumstances until I was actually removed from them. So was and that that two week trip to Seattle was when you finally were able to see what reality really looked like out of his hands? Yeah, exactly. I remember, uh, you know, I was at the airport getting ready to leave to go on that trip and just feeling this sense 
of freedom and being able to make my own decisions. I'm like, wow, do I want a margarita or do I want coffee? Like I get to decide that for myself and just feeling, (laughs) you know, just pure, like joy and happiness for the first time. And it was the, in the longest time. And it was so unfamiliar and foreign. And I just, I knew I couldn't go back to the way things were. I didn't understand why it felt as bad as I did, but I just knew that there was so much more out there and I couldn't go back. And you know what? Like, I, I, I guess like why I went into that bit of a tangent there is that I, I don't think that people understand why people stay in those relationships and that, you know, when, when you're not in domestic violence um, and you've never been really familiar with abuse, you can look from the outside and be like, well, that's madness. How can you listen to somebody talk badly to you like that? Or how can you, how can somebody decide what type of beverage you're going to drink? You know what I mean? Like, like, how did you lose that part of yourself? Is that what I think a lot of people don't understand looking from the outside in. Right. And that's why I'm really happy that you, you explained about how they create this whole facade of it's the highs and the lows and, and really making you feel like you're the problem and, and making sure that you're at a point where you're so vulnerable, you're not able to assess if you are or not. Yeah. And it it happens slowly over time. So you don't even realize what's happening. And, you know, the relationship did not start the way that it ended. It progressed to that. And, you know, it happened so slowly and you just, you don't even realize it's happening because you're in the middle of it. And my life looked perfect from the outside. Like I, Mm. I lived in my dream house. It was remodeled to perfection. We had a lot of financial success. We were business partners. I I mean, I I drove a freaking Porsche. Like I lived a very privileged life and I just couldn't understand why I wasn't happy. I remember thinking like, I thought I'd be happy by now. And I just truly didn't understand just the depths of the toxicity and just emotional abuse I was experiencing because it does transition and happen so slowly. So with you knowing this now and you having four years to look back on it, what do you feel like were those starting factors that you maybe brushed under the rug as it's okay, or it'll change down the line, or, or maybe it's not as big of a deal right now, but you look back and you're like, holy, that turned into a big fucking deal. Yeah, I, I overlooked so many red flags in the beginning. Um, and, you know, at the time, I didn't realize they were red flags. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. one of the reasons I overlooked them. And also just because I was so desperate to receive love from from this person and to be accepted. Uh, even from the early phases of our relationship, he was very controlling. He didn't like me spending time with my friends. So Mm -hmm. I pulled away and spent time with him. And I was seeking that validation and acceptance from him. So I wanted to spend time with him. So I started to, you know, remove myself from different friendships. And you got no more support group anymore, right? I cut my I cut my support group off and really just became consumed with him and his needs. And you know, there were signs of like jealousy and things like that. And mm. you know, he accused me of cheating on multiple occasions. And mm. then I felt like I had to prove myself, like, no, I didn't, I didn't cheat on you. And yeah. not even realizing that a lot of 
you know, the behaviors are really just projections from their own insecurities. Absolutely. Wow. Well, you know what? I am so proud of you. Like, seriously, I cannot believe that you are where you are. And the the thing is, is that I, cause I mentioned this before that we need to like, stop being obsessed with this, this, this pretty, right? Like we're so obsessed with pretty things. We're so obsessed with this fancy lifestyle and you chose your mental health. You chose your self-respect. You chose putting your heart back together again, instead of that perfect life that looked great on paper. And like, if I can be completely honest, so many people still stay in those toxic relationships simply because it looks good on fucking Instagram. And that's, and that's why they won't leave. You know what I mean? And so the fact that you had enough guts to just say, that's not serving me. I would rather be broke homeless, grinding my way through Seattle where it's a windy AF, no sunshine right now. Right. And trying to find my own son and trying to build my own son. And, you know, like not many people can do that. And then not even just doing that, but then now choosing to carry on that legacy and saying that there's so much in me to give right now that I need to be able to go and support other women in the way that I wished I had that same support, or, you know, that you felt like you gained from that uh, support group that you joined later on, you know, just mm-hmm. different things like that, that I'm sure that you picked up along the way of this is what I, I need to do with my life. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, it was, it's scary to leave a relationship because there's so much uncertainty. Like I, I truly, I remember thinking like, I don't know if I'm making the best decision of my life or the worst decision of my life. That's how oh. like sucked I was in the head. But ultimately what led me to leave was the fear of regret because I did not want to wake up five, 10, 15 years from then and regret not leaving sooner. That was something that I I could not accept. And that's ultimately what led me to make the decisions that I did and to leave because I didn't want to regret not leaving. And I had to lose a lot to find myself. And if there was one thing I wish I had known is just how amazing life could actually be. Like my life is more amazing than I could have ever even dreamed of. But ultimately, because I I took that chance and chose myself. Well, and you know what, that's how I kind of want to wrap this up is, is I want you to tell the viewers of, of how you, um, like how you came up with that defining moment of, of what you would go back and tell yourself, like what made you decide that? You know, it's, there's so, there's so much power when you choose yourself and you recognize that everything you're looking for outside of you exists within yourself. You just have to, you just have to recognize it. And it takes building the relationship with yourself. It takes knowing yourself and this journey for me has been so complex in the sense that you have to heal from the trauma of the relationship, but then you have to heal from everything that led you to that relationship in the first place. And that's where you recognize that you have the power to create the life that you want to live. But when you give that power to somebody else, then you're always going to be controlled by external factors. So really the only way is to keep it for yourself and then you could share that light with other people. Very good. Cause yeah, it it really comes down to like our, our life, um, our life views are really off of, of, of our experiences and, and how we perceive them. Right. And so if we can, when we're young, fall in love with who we are, fall in love with our identity, 
if we come in, in contact with a narcissist or somebody who's trying to bring us down in an abusive way, we will be able to define if we are yelling, if we are, you know what I mean? Like projecting negative negativity or whatever it is that they're trying to accuse us of, but without being in tune with us, it's impossible for us to be able to assess that judgment. And that's why I'm trying to, that's why I'm playing devil's advocate with this is that, and, and that's why I wanted to bring it up is just because perception is so big. And so for, for me talking to you, you might be like, wow, Sarah has her voice really loud. It almost feels like she's yelling at me. Right. Whereas for me, this is just a comfortable tone for me. So again, it's all about perception, but love is love. Being treated respectfully is being treated respectfully, right? And when somebody's playing mind games with you, you could be the smartest person in the entire world. You need to stay true to you and and making sure that you're putting in that personal development time. So like, would that be something that you recommend to somebody is that if they are in an, potentially thinking that they might be in an abusive relationship right now, they're really trying to decipher it. Would doing personal development work so that they can try to come more in tune with themselves be a good step as they're making this decision? Or what do you feel like would be your steps that you would recommend if somebody's feeling like, I just listened to this podcast, not really sure how I'm feeling about my relationship right now? Yeah, I would say there's a, there's a few things. If you're in that situation and you're trying to navigate, like what's your next move, um, build a support system. You know, a lot of times when you're in a relationship, you lose you know, contact with family and friends, especially when you're in a toxic relationship. So build your support system. And also personal development, self-awareness is the key to everything. Because if you don't understand who you are as a person, if you're not in touch with your feelings, then you're not going to have that guidance. Because, you know, feelings are something that I thought were like negative. I thought there was something to be avoided. And I never realized that your intuition communicates with you through feelings. So feelings are meant to be felt. I was telling my intuition to fuck off because I'm like, Oh, I don't want to feel feelings, but you know, the, whatever you're feeling, like acknowledge it and notice it. Mm -hmm. And journaling can be a great tool as well, because that's essentially like having a conversation with yourself and you can gain so much perspective exactly. as far as who you are and, you know, perspective on the relationship just through journaling. Exactly. Because when you're in that, uh, that conversation with the person, they're changing your perception. Kel can agree. I'm sure day to day, it starts to seem like a dream because you don't know what the next day is going to mm-hmm. be like. So that journal is going to be huge because there's going to be things that you don't remember. There's going to be patterns that you end up seeing. So I, I fully agree with that. And Kel, I just want to know, have you happened to watch the bad vegan on Netflix yet? Oh, I have not, but I've had, I've had quite a few people mention it to me and I think, I think I need to watch it. Girl, we need to chat after you watch it. That's all I can say. I finished it last night and, and I guess like, I couldn't believe what perfect timing it was for you lining up with this podcast and me just finishing that because, you know, you, you look at that story and you guys got to go check it out on Netflix and essentially long story short, abusive relationship she ended up funneling a ton of cash into this guy lost everything in her life. And that's just kind of how the story ends. And she has to rebuild herself. Right. And so it, when you're looking at the dollar values, when you're looking at what type of woman she is, the, the groups that she was affiliated with, you know, the success that she had on her own before this guy. And you're like, how, 
right? But it's ex- she described it exactly like Cal did. And it's like those ups and downs. And he's promising this false reality and that they're going to be together forever and that the dog will have eternal life. And it's just like all these things that he's painting. And then he ends up like literally bringing her to this like different city where it's um like almost like movie sets is what it kind of like reminds me of. And so long story short, she's like living in like a, a, a playground essentially. Right. And so she did that for 40 days and like she came out of it and she's like, what is even like, what even happened in that time? Like, I can understand why you guys are looking in at me. Like, I wish it was drugs that I was on, or at least I had some sort of excuse as to why I did what I did, but love does crazy things. Uh, Love does crazy things. Yeah. Especially when you're looking for love in the wrong places. That's exactly it. So I'm, I'm really excited for you to check it out because I, I honestly, I would love your perspective on it. So we want to know, we can go and check you out on the Dear Dumb Bitch podcast. Is that on Apple and Spotify? Yes, Apple, Spotify, all the podcast platforms. Perfect. So we're going to go check you out there, but where else can we hit you up? All right. I am on Instagram and I also recently started TikTok. So I actually post a lot of videos about recovering from toxic relationships on TikTok. So okay. I would love for your listeners to, to check me out and to connect with them. That sounds great. And so what is your tag for TikTok and Instagram? It is Kel underscore Cal underscore on Instagram. And then TikTok is Kel underscore Cal underscore underscore double underscore at the end. I love it. Somebody sniped that one. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) You're like, seriously, guys. So what I'll do is I'll tag everything in the show notes so people can go directly hit you up and I know with the programs that you're going to release, I know that there's many followers on my list that would definitely like to check out that information. So is the best place to check you out on Instagram for the education side and to see how you are continuing to build the how I cured my resting bitch face. Yeah, absolutely. Instagram, TikTok. uh, I would love if any of your listeners would like more information or have any specific questions, uh, please reach out to me. I'm happy to be a resource for you. I know how challenging it could be not only leaving a toxic relationship, but also just recovering and rebuilding your life after. So um, I'm so, so grateful to be able to support other women on their healing journey. Ah, that's amazing. Well, we're so happy that you were able to come and help us out here. And just thank you so much again for your time, Kel. So everybody, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode. And you know that I will catch you next fucking Monday. And that's another honest episode dropped. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Naked in Truth, where we come together every Monday morning to set the week off with intention. Don't forget to head over to our Instagram page, at Naked in Truth Podcast to stay up to date on future episodes, guest speakers, and other kick-ass info that can help you continue to create your impact. And you know that reviews are so valuable when it comes to building a community of like-minded people. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please drop some love on Apple Podcast Reviews and share this episode with someone who you think needs it. Thank you guys so much again for tuning into today's episode. I'll catch you next Monday. And don't forget, love always wins.